Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Well, if that's not Christmassy, I'm not sure what it is. That's like uh, right on the money for Christmas. Do you feel the like a little bit of like a jingle going on there? Like a could have been an infomercial for sure, right? For selling snow globes or something. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Uh, it is so good to be with you, West Shore family. You are really, really loved. We appreciate you so much. And Lisa sends her love. Uh, she's at the Victoria campus today, but. Uh, we're one family meeting in many places, and we just thank God for the opportunity to be together today. And I, I know Pastor Adam, you, you were preaching last week, right? Yeah, so Pastor Adam kicked off this new series, um, and this is, a, this is actually a special series. One, because it links in with Christmas, but also because I really think that these messages, this series, has the potential to really make an impact on your life. In fact, I would say this one in particular that I'm going to share with you today um, has maybe the potential to impact your life more than any message sermon that you've heard this year. Because I think it, I, I know it's big, it's a big, big claim, big claim. Just because of what it would mean for your Christmas season and what it might mean into the next year. I think it has the potential for impact. And so I'm excited to share it with you. Um, we have a verse that's sort of foundational for this series. The series is entitled Light and Easy. And I want to just read this verse with you, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is the, the baseline for the whole series. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking with this beautiful invitation. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Can you say weary and burdened with me? Good. Weary, weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And then he says that word yoke again. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everybody say light and easy. Light and easy. So I had to say two things. Let me just explain this yoking idea because that's sometimes a word that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not talking about an egg. Um, it's talking about something different. It's talking about uh, Jesus is saying, come along with me, come along beside me, and let's work together. And what we'll do is we'll join each other, and I will work with you as you do your life, as you do your work. It's, it, it's, a, it's an old word that was a, about a foreign, you know, a foreign time in history where uh, two animals would pull together for greater strength and they would be put together with a harness, and that was called a yoke. So Jesus is saying, come, come and be with me, and let's pull together, let's work together. He invites you to that. And he says, why? Because you're either, you said it before, weary and burdened, or light and easy. And that's really the contrast here. Jesus says, listen, I want you to put down the weariness and the burden, and I want you to sense the light and easy yoke of Jesus. That's what he's saying here, and that's the invitation. And that, that's why this is so good, because I want to invite you, not just for this to be a theme for the morning or a theme verse for the series, but for this to be a theme for your life this season. And I said this to my kids. It's so liberating, and I want to invite you to say the, thing, the same thing to your kids if you're a parent. I said, kids, this year, Christmas is light and easy. 
I said, it's light on the presence and easy on the parents, right? That's right, light and easy, light and easy. And my kids were like, oh, really, seriously? I want to invite you into light and easy this Christmas. And we're going to talk about what it means to, to, you know, in order to take up, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. In order to take something up, you're going to have to put something down. And so we're going to talk today and through the series about letting things go. About, about getting things out of your hands. And this is especially good at Christmas time. We're going to talk today about, about stuff, about the things that weigh us down. In this series, we're going to touch on things like letting go of distractions, letting go of control, letting go of, the, of failure, of letting go of the past. Today, we're going to talk about letting go of stuff. And this is especially good because it's almost Christmas, and you're going to spend too much money on stuff, Right? And so let's talk about this today, and, and, and I'm not trying to get into your business, really. I'm just trying to encourage and to help you as you prepare to spend too much. Is there something that we can just let go of? Is there stuff that we can let go of? Because as life goes on, we accumulate, don't we? Just go open your closets and be like, oh, well, how did that get there, right? We accumulate. Over time, we accumulate. We accumulate uh, distractions. We accumulate stuff, we accumulate hurts, we accumulate disappointments and failures, but Jesus invites us into light and easy. In order to do that, we're going to have to let go. And so here's a quote for you. I hope this is helpful. I'm going to say it to you, and if you agree with me, you can say amen. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Great. Now I'll say it again so you all can join us. If you agree with me, only if you agree with me, okay. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. I really believe that to be true. I want the important things. There are, you know, I don't, if someone was to offer me a dozen snowballs right now, I'd say, no, thank you. Like, I don't want more of, of that. I want more of the things that matter. I want more time with my kids. I want, I want more uh, depth in relationship. I want, I want more community, more impact. I want more purpose. I want more of those things. I, I would rather have less of the things that don't matter. Are you following me here? The problem is everything in our culture screams the opposite, doesn't it? It screams the other. You need more. You need better. You need new. You need extra, right? That's what our culture says to us. And, and, and honestly, listen, let's just pull back the veneer. This reflects the very first lie that was ever told to humanity. There's something deeply rooted in that that still affects us today. We still see it in our culture, but it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. God blessed them, put them in the garden. They were enjoying paradise. They had all these, you know, all this, this uh, food, these trees, the fruit trees were all theirs, all the plants they could eat. It was awesome. And God said, listen, there's one thing I don't want you to do. I don't want you to eat from this tree because that fruit is not for you. Enjoy all of this. That one's not for you. And so then, the, then enters the serpent. And he says, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And here we see the planting of the very first lie and the planting of seeds of doubt about God's goodness toward them. And this is where it all begins. And here's the lie. What you need is what you don't have. There's something you don't have, and boy, that's what you need. If you want to be happy, if you want to be fulfilled, if you want to be complete, you need that tree. Boy, this is baseline lie from the enemy, and we still deal with it now. Most of us agree, and most of us grew up thinking that more is always better. 
I think that because my last name is Moore, so I think Moore is always better. Guys, it's an old joke, but I only got what I got, okay? My last name is Moore. Moore is better. Tell me more. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. No, we grow up kind of feeling like more is better. More is always better. If one is good, two is better. If I have one dollar, that's good. Two dollars, that's better. One car, good. Two cars, better. One vacation, good. Two, car, two vacations, better. One kid, good. Mia, four kids is enough, okay? <laughs> You're the last one. Mia's here, my 12-year-old. 12 years ago, we made a very good decision. You are our baby. That's it, the last one. You know, it's funny. It's so funny. It's human nature that, that more seems to be better for us. And I remember growing up as a kid, um, I was the youngest of four boys, and uh, food was at a premium. And we love to eat. We all have huge appetites. I, I, I call myself a bulk eater. I just want qu quantity sometimes more than quality, okay? It's like, yeah, but can you put an extra scoop in there for me? How much does that cost? Let's go with the extra scoop. I'm a big eater, and when I grew up as a kid, you ate with your arm around your plate and your fork up so you could defend yourself against your brothers. And, and you know, I, my brothers had this thing where I'd, like, I'd be eating something. It was always about food for us, and I'm, like, enjoying it. And they're looking, they're, can I have a bite? It, they don't mean, can I have a bite? They mean, can I have the rest? Because somehow my brothers had this ability. They were mean, big brothers. Their heads would flop right back. Their mouths would open this wide, and they would eat the rest, your hand included. You'd have to pull it back. And, and it's, it's just a natural thing. You know, you cut it in half, and you're eyeing up. Which one's the bigger half? Come on, you still do that. You're going to do that with Christmas baking. You're going to look and say, which one's bigger? I'll take that one. It's human nature. But, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older and, I've, and as I have accumulated a few things and, and I have more than I used to have, I've learned some things about more. And this is maybe the most important thing I've learned about having more. That more is just more. That's all. It's just more. It's not less. It's just more. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's more. So it's more to manage. It's more to think about. It's more to sift through when you got to move, right? It's more. It's just more to store. It's just more. And, and Solomon, the, maybe the wisest man who ever lived, wrote in the Bible about this idea of more. And I just think it's brilliant, and it's going to help you. You ready for this? This is what Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil in chasing after the wind. Have you ever tried to chase the wind? It's not easy. It blows wherever it wants to go. You can't see it and you're, you can't catch it. In other words, what it's saying is it's a wasted time. It's a wasted effort. It's not possible. So one handful with tranquility is better than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's saying the same thing we've already been saying today, and that's it's better to have less of what we don't, but doesn't matter, and more of what does. That's what this verse is saying. And, and why would I encourage you with this today? Because your life is too valuable. And, and, and your calling too great. And your God too good for you to waste your life on things that don't matter. 
And so that's why I think this is such an impactful message. Jesus was doing his teaching, and he was interrupted by a man who was speaking out um, about a dispute he had with his brother over the inheritance that he was yet to get. And he yells out to, the, to Jesus, he says, Rabbi or teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me because the inheritance always went to the oldest son. And Jesus said, that's not my concern. That's a, you guys sort that out. But then he stayed on the point. He used it as an example. And he says this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he says probably the very most important thing that you could ever hear about your financial life. He says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Listen, listen, brother, you are asking me to help you accumulate things that don't matter. That's not what life's about. Life is not about the, the accumulation of things. Life is not about the abundance of possessions. And, and what Jesus is saying is, listen, your life does not consist of stuff. And, and, and Jesus was saying, who you are is not what you have or what you own, or what you drive, or what you wear. But the problem is our culture screams. It's shouting the opposite. It's saying, no, no, no. You are these things. You are what you have. You are what you own. You are what you drive. You are what you wear. It goes right back to that original lie. What you don't have, that's what you need. That, that's what you need. If you want to be happy, if you want to be popular, if you want to, you know, be hip and cool and fit in and feel good about yourself and finally measure up, you need what you don't yet have. And, you know, here's, a, here's kind of a question I think that could really resonate in our hearts a bit. You could think about this. What if the stuff you have is robbing you of the life you actually want? Wow. Man, I... I want things, but when I, when I boil it down beyond, you know, all of the, the, the surface, the veneers type stuff, the physical stuff, the, the, the accumulation type stuff, when it really comes down to it, wouldn't you agree that your physical health and, 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 and your loving family and, and your deep relationships and community, and don't you think when you boil it all down, it's about the people that you love and who love you? Like, that's what it really comes down to. And yet, we can be pursuing other things that are robbing us of the life that we actually want. And I just want you to get ready. Why? Because you're 15 days out from D-Day. 15 days out from Christmas. It's coming. And um, when you think about that, I mean, when you think about Christmas coming, you got to think about every commercial and um, every ad and every post and every message, they're all telling you, you need two handfuls. And not only do you need two handfuls, the one handful that you have, it's not the right one. You're going to have to get rid of that. You need two new handfuls. Uh, that's coming. It's already here, guys. And so just think that through with me. And so I think the blessing of this message would be that you would say, you know what? I'm going to live one handful life. I'm going to practice one handful living, and I want to help you do that today. I want to give you some thoughts on how to practice one handful living, because that's where the blessing is, right? That's where the blessing is in one handful living. It's with tranquility versus toil and chasing after the wind. So I'm going to give you three thoughts. The first one is this. If you want to practice one handful living, you got to throw out. 
You got to throw out. You got to get rid of some things. You got to move some things along as if your life depends on it because your life does. Remember what Jesus said? Your life doesn't consist in your things. And so you move those things along so that they don't have a hold on you. Your life doesn't consist in the abundance of things. I'm not saying you should declutter. I'm saying you should de-own. Like, no more. I'm done. That's not for me. It's gone. I'm getting rid of it. And, and I, I heard this quote. I just love it so much. You ready for it? Owning less is way better than organizing more. <laughs> right? Owning less is way better than organizing more. You know, there's like a, a huge stat about, uh, you know, we'll blame it on our, our southern neighbors. There's a U.S. stat about um, how many people have not only a home, not only a home with a garage, not only a home with a garage and a storage shed out back, but not only a home with a garage and a storage shed out back, all completely full, so they have to get a storage container um, at the storage lot in order to put all their stuff in it. And conviction falls over the room. Maybe that's not you. But it could be you. Owning less, and you, if, you, if you feel that way, you know what I'm saying. Owning less is way better than trying to organize more. And Jesus addressed this. There was um, a story in the Bible. It's a famous story uh, for those of you that would be familiar with the Bible. It's from, it's from um, Matthew 19. And it's the story of what's known as the rich young ruler. So here comes this guy. He's young. I, I see him as handsome, entourage. He shows up. You know, he's got servants with him. He's wealthy, and, and he's young, so he's, you know, dressed very nicely. And he comes up to Jesus, and he says, Teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of had a standard answer because people were asking him these questions all the time, and he'd always point them back to, you know, to the Torah, to the Bible, to, you know, to uh, what they knew. He'd say, well, follow the law of Moses, you know, keep the commandments, that kind of stuff, right? And, and, and this young man said something that was very insightful. He said, I've done all this since my youth. What was he saying? He's saying, Jesus, I see you, and I see me, and I'm doing what you were just saying, and I'm not like you. You have something I don't have. You are something I'm not. I, no, no, no. I want eternal life. I want life like the way you live it. Tell me what, the, what do I need to do to that, to, to receive that? And the Bible says that Jesus looked at him in a loving way. I love it. There's something in Jesus' eyes that were just so loving. And he said, you have too much stuff. It's basically what he says. Sell what you have. and Give to the poor. And you're going to have treasure in heaven. And then he says something to him that he didn't say to many people, friends. He said, come and follow me. The invitation was, get rid of what doesn't matter Pick up what really does. Come follow me. In other words, physically be with Jesus. Physically walk with him. See the miracles. Sit around the campfire as he explained the parables. Be with Jesus. And you'll have treasures in heaven. That's what Jesus said to him. And let's look at the response of the rich young ruler. He says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus, I can't give up my stuff. But this stuff was actually robbing him from the life that he wanted, the one that he was asking about. He literally verbalized it. But let me just say this, and this is so important. Please hear me. It's not wrong to have stuff. It's never just wrong because you have stuff. Anybody who tells you, well, you can't be a Christian and have stuff, is not, they're not being truthful. There were so many wealthy people that supported Jesus' ministry. 
I mean, you look through the New Testament, all the places where Paul stopped, all the places where they had churches were in the houses of the wealthy people who had come to Christ. Why? Because they had means. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. The problem is when the stuff has you. You get it? And I have found that, even, that sometimes people without this stuff are struggling the most because they want it so bad. And sometimes once you have the stuff, you realize it's just stuff. But the point I'm making is it's wrong when the stuff has you. When the stuff starts to distract you from what matters the most, then you need to throw it out. Okay, so why do we hold on to stuff? You know, why do we hold on to knickknacks and old dishes? And how's your, your uh, junk drawer looking today? Does anybody have a VHS collection? How's your DVDs? What about your CDs, right? Like, why do we hold on to this stuff? What about those pants that you haven't worn since high school, right? Like, what, we hold on to stuff for two reasons. I'm going to tell you why. Number one is fear, and number two is sentiment. We hold on to stuff because of fear. It's a scarcity mentality. It's a mindset that says, I might need this. I might need this, so I better keep it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some freedom to the house today. Are you ready? Some of you are keeping stuff because you think your kids are going to want it. They don't want it. They don't want it. They don't want it. Even if you have it and they think they want it, by the time you give it to them, they're going to want a different color, a different shape, and a different model. They don't want it. Okay? So some of, I just felt the freedom of the Lord go over the house today. Some people are like, oh my goodness, I'm liberated. They just don't want it. They don't want your stuff. They want their own stuff. And some of you, you know, some of you are just saying, hold on, Andy, you're saying to throw stuff out. That just seems wasteful. I don't want to waste things. Sometimes we're afraid that we're going to be wasteful. And I'm not suggesting that you put it in the landfill. What I'm suggesting is that if you're not using it, let it be a blessing to someone else. Meet somebody's need with your accumulation. You don't need the accumulation. You need to be an instrument for the Lord. So sometimes it's fear. Sometimes fear. The other is sentiment. I kept this because it's my dead grandma's. It's hideous, I know. But she gave it to me. It's a gift. I kept the lock of hair from every one of my children. Some of you have teeth collections. That's disgusting. <laughs> Stop it. Sometimes it's sen sentiment, right? I'm being playful. But you know what I mean. Like, if you go look in your storage room, we have bins for every one of our kids. We, um, our, our oldest daughter is married. We collected ornaments, um, gave them a new, we put a new ornament on the tree every year, and then they would put them on. So we put them all in a box and said, here you go. You're, you're a married person now. You can put these on your tree. I saw her Christmas tree. None of those ornaments are on it. <laughs> she, we brought out two boxes full of Hannah's keepsakes. She starts looking through them all. She's feeling so sentimental. She's showing her husband, Johnny. We're having all these awe moments. She puts it all back, puts the lid on, and leaves it there. I said, oh, no, no. Those are going with you. She's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Throw them away. They're yours. It's funny, but we, we hold on to things. And here's a huge part of it, friends. A huge part of throwing things out is saying, I trust that God will meet my need. I don't need to accumulate. I can bless, I can be generous, and I can give things away, and I can make my, my life feel more light and easy. And, and that's what the Lord is inviting us into. I trust you, God, to be my provider.
And so we have, a, we have a kind of a policy at our house. If we get one, we give one. It doesn't work with the kids because they basically wear everything out or they outgrow it. That's the way it goes right now. But once you're an adult and you stop growing, you will accumulate and that will happen. And so when you get something, give it away. Give another thing away. Move it in and out. This is kind of a policy we have. We look at it in our closet. It, we have a rule. If you haven't used it in a year, it's gone. That's right. You went the whole calendar. You didn't touch it. See you later. It's out of here. Somebody's nudging their husband or wife right now. I'm sorry, I didn't come to bring division, okay? Move it out, move it out. Um, I listened to an audio book because I just couldn't read the book, but everybody was talking about it. Can I just get Marie Kondo on you for a minute? Do you know Marie Kondo? She wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. She's a professional organizer. It's, what a title. I thought lead pastor was cool. Professional organizer, that's a neat title, isn't it? And uh, she, she would say, like, listen, you look through your closets, you look through your life, you hold something up, and here's the question you ask. Does this spark joy? And if it doesn't spark joy, this is, this is cute, then you hold it close, you thank it for the time it served you, and you throw it out, right? You get rid of it, you move it along. And the bottom line is, is we don't want stuff to crowd out what matters the most. Better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. It's a good word, friends. The second thing that we can do to, to ensure that we're doing one handful living is to buy less. Now, that's not too, um, uh, too profound except at Christmas time. <laughs> when there's so much pressure to buy things that people don't need, with money that you don't have, right? It's a funny thing. And, and, and again, I love the spirit of generosity. I love the loving heart of many people. But sometimes you'll go to the mall or the store, and it'll feel like this is too good of a deal to pass up. It's like 50% off. Listen, let me just teach you something right now that will help you so much, okay? The truth is, one, it's not 50% off. It was 50% overpriced. But the truth is, I want to teach you how to save 100%. Walk away. <laughs> if you just go, oh, 50%, I'm going to save 100%, and I'm just going to go. Have you, ever, have you seen that little Instagram clip where uh, I thought it was super romantic? It's like a guy saying, like, when you go to Costco with your wife, hold her hand. And I was like, oh, how sweet of that. That's beautiful. That's so nice and cuddly. And then it shows him, and he's like, every time she stops, he just pulls her like this, right? <laughs> oh, no, honey. Just keep her going, right? Just keep it moving. 100%. You can save 100% today, friends. 100% off. Walk away. Okay? That's good. Um, a survey was done in the, in the U.S. and was discovered that 62% of all people admit to shopping to cheer themselves up. We call it retail therapy. A little bit of escape, a little bit of entertainment, something new and clean. I feel momentary significance from it. And this temptation is so high, friends. There's such a high temptation to buy something you don't need with money that you don't have. And so I want to give you a prayer, and it comes from Psalm 119. And here's a prayer that you can pray. You can hold hands with your spouse before you do your Christmas shopping. You can pray this prayer in the car. You can bow when you see that 50% sign. Bow and pray this prayer. Okay, here's what it says. Cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Help me turn my eyes away from illusions so that I pursue only that which is true. 
You see, what I want is I want to be in the place where my life is full of God. I don't feel like I need things, stuff, in order to make me feel full, to fill the void. So buy less. If you buy less, you'll avoid that January crash that's coming to everybody who doesn't. The credit card bills, the stuff that you bought for your kids that by the 27th of December they're already bored with, the stuff that you end up just throwing in the garbage, the regrets as you think about what was I doing when I bought that. And so one of the things that we've done is we've decided to choose experiences over things. Experiences over things. In fact, I text my two older kids who are now grown and kind of on their own doing their own thing. I said, tell me your favorite memories of our time together, like uh, family memories. And, and they, they said things like ice cream and fries after church. Family dinners where you can't get a word in because everybody's shouting over each other. Uh, camping, going to the lake. We'd go to the same place at the same lake every year. We've done it for like her whole life, like 12 years. Um, adventures together, times where we've taken silly photos together, uh, laughing together. None of it was, I remember when you bought me my first pair of Lulus, right? <laughs> None of it was like, oh, I got those $300 shoes, I'll never forget it, right? It, over and over again, I didn't prompt them, I just said, tell me your favorite memories. And it's all stuff that's about experiences, not things. Keep it in mind, friends, it'll free you. You can buy less. And you can purpose to do things that make memories, that last. Don't you want to have a list where your kids can actually say, oh, I remember that, and I remember that. It won't be the stuff you buy. So let that free you. Let that liberate you. Third thought is this. Give more. You want to, you want to live with one handful? Give more. We talked about throwing out, but let's talk about giving for just a minute. And, and what I always say every Christmas time is, listen, we're going to decide what we're going to give before we decide what we're going to spend. It really helps me. It's why Heart for the House is strategically planted in October. Why? Because let's decide what we're going to give before we decide what we're going to spend. And listen to this. This is where the Bible speaks to all of us who have the privilege of living in North America. A lot of times we would say, I'm not rich. I know people who are rich. Everybody can point to someone else who's richer. But let me tell you that if you drove in a car today, if you have the privilege of three meals every day, then you are in the top 8 to 10% wealthiest people in the world. So keep it in perspective as you hear this verse. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. That's the thing about it. It is uncertain. It comes, it goes. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything we need for our enjoyment. He gives us stuff so we can enjoy it. But we want to enjoy it, so we got to keep it light and easy. He says, command them to do good. Here's the stuff we got to do. To share, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life which is truly life. In other words, don't be fooled. Let's have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It, this doesn't say command them to buy more, to hoard it to click buy now on Amazon. It doesn't say that. And let me just kind of drill down on this for a minute. For yourselves, think about it. What are the stories that get you emotional? The stories in your own life that get you emotional. You know, I don't have any emotional getting stories. Like, I got AirPods. <laughs> Out of all the things you could have bought me, AirPods, Lulu's, 
Air Force Ones, <laughs> right? It's not getting stories that make us emotional. It's not keeping stories. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't give that extra fridge that's in my garage to that single mom. Whew, I really need it right now because I just came back from Costco, right? It's not keeping stories. It's not, oh, I'm so glad I didn't give that money to help that eradicate biblical illiteracy in South America. I'm really glad I kept that money. There, you don't get emotional about getting or keeping stories, but you can get emotional about giving stories. I mean, when I saw last week, I don't know if you guys saw it here, but we showed a video downtown with Pastor Chris in front of the church. It's called the Jungle Church. It's in the middle of the jungle on the border of Myanmar and Thailand. There's refugees there. There's 80 people who have come to Christ as a result of kingdom builders finishing that building. It's now an outpost for the central activity of that refugee camp. And friends, you did that. Those are giving stories. And the giving stories are where the emotion is. The giving stories, the time that you went out of your way to bless someone, they were blessed and you, my goodness, you were thankful that God used you. When you get to heaven, what stories are going to be told? Not keeping stories, not getting stories, giving stories. Giving stories are the stories of heaven. I want heaven stories. I want to enjoy that with you. And this is the beautiful thing. So God trusts us with resources so that we can build those kind of stories. We get to be a part of those kind of stories. We get to build giving stories. We do it through Kingdom Builders. We do it through Heart for the House. You do it through your own life, through those that you love around you, for the way that you interact with people, your neighbors, how you serve and how you give and how you love. Man, that is where the blessing is. So let me remind you of something very important, Christian. That may not be your name, but it is your identity. If you're a Christian, this world is not your home. It's not your home. Use the stuff that you have to do something that matters. Have less of what doesn't matter and more of what really does. I want to pray with you now. And as I do, I want you just to wrestle with me. God wants to lead us into a place where it's light and easy. He's teaching us to, you know, throw some stuff out, to buy less, to give more, to understand that we can have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Why? Why, friend? Because your life is valuable. Your calling is great. Your God is good. Let's not waste our lives on what doesn't matter. I want to have one handful with tranquility. Why is one handful better for me? Because if I have one handful, I've got a free hand. I can give. I can encourage. I can praise. I can help. One handful is better. So God in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of hearing your word today. We thank you for the invitation into, through Jesus' invitation, into what's light and easy. And so Lord, help us keep Christmas light and easy when it comes to stuff. Help us to be mindful of all that we can do to have this sense of lightness and easiness. Lord, we want to lay aside burdens. We want to lay aside weariness. And we want the light and easy of Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give us that heart. That, Lord, it's better for us to never let the stuff that we have keep us from the life that we could live. And I thank you for that, Jesus. 
I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for the invitation into the light and the easy yoke. Oh, thank you, Lord. You say your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Lord, you ask us to learn from you, to take from you. And so in order to do that, Lord, we choose to let go. We let go of stuff and we ask you to free us from that in Jesus' name. And maybe we're just going to continue to pray for a minute. Maybe you're here today and when you reflect on your life, you think about that two handful living, but maybe when you reflect on your life, what you see is that most of your life or maybe all of your life has simply been a chasing after the wind. And right now what you're hearing is that God is saying, come on, give me your life. You're hearing Jesus' invitation, come to me. And you're going you're gonna to do that. Maybe for the first time, you're coming to Jesus. You're giving him your life. I want you to know it's the best decision you could ever make. Offer him your life. And he will walk with you. He will lead you. He will help you. So if you're here today and you say, I, I don't have a living relationship with Jesus. I have a lot of chasing after the wind. But I want something more. I want more of what matters and less of what doesn't then listen, you can pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come. Come to me now. You invited me to come to you, and I'm doing it. Come to me. Fill me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of the chasing after the wind that has been a part of my life. Lord, I choose you. What's of great value? Lord, call to me like you did to that rich young ruler and say, follow me. I will follow you, Jesus. I give you my life, and I choose one handful living in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. 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 Come on, church, let's stand together.